Hello, welcome. My name is Joe and I am your host. Uh, got a lot on tap today. want to talk to you about how do we handle the stress of the holidays. Learning to handle the stress really in life and with our spouse and with our children. And then I also want to talk to you about the relaunching of my YouTube page. And it's probably time we start looking forward to 2019. All right, let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, I'm going to start with what's fun for me first, which is the YouTube channel. I have relaunched my YouTube channel. I started last year, and with the book being published, I had to take some time off. Wanted to launch the podcast. A lot more of the target audience that we work with uh, is into podcasts and YouTube pages or YouTube videos. And at the same time, we knew we always wanted to come back to it. This week, we've officially relaunched the YouTube page. Uh, There's going to be probably three videos going up this week, maybe even four. It's going to move more to like a vlog type style. A lot of the videos are going to connect with topics that we talk about here on the podcast so that there is a consistent flow of information through multiple mediums. I was thinking about blogging some of these topics. I used to blog a lot. But by and large, the blog is dead. I'll still use it a little bit because it is good for authors. A lot of a lot of readers tend to want to connect with their authors via the blog, which makes sense. Uh, but by and large, if you want to kind of get a, a glimpse of what my life is like, the YouTube page is going to be the place. Uh, there's going to be stuff about, right now there's one up about fear. There's one up about a giveaway that we're doing with the book. If you review the book and you let us know, so you got to buy the book, review the book, uh, I guess you wouldn't have to buy it. You could borrow it from the from the library. Uh, but but if you do that and you review it and you let us know and we get to 50 reviews by the end of the year, we're going to give $50 away. The idea behind the YouTube page is it'll be a place where people can get just a small two to five minute usually glimpse into a topic that we're talking about. If they want to get more information, you know, if they want to have a longer conversation about it, they can come to the podcast page. If they just want that or if they're just more visual. Some people are just more visual and podcasts are very difficult for them. If you know someone like that, hey, this might be a great uh, gateway for them to get connected to the information that we're sharing. Hopefully you find it valuable and you know by sharing it with them, maybe they'll find it valuable. So that's what that's for. Uh, there will probably be some some stuff on there that isn't on the you or on the podcast. There currently is some stuff up there uh, that isn't related to any podcast. There's a, a video about me talking about one of the more difficult times in our life when it turns out that difficulty actually saved my daughter's life. If you're interested in that, you can watch that whole video. I think it's five minutes or something. It's less than five minutes probably, and it is on the YouTube page. The easiest way to get there is to go to my webpage, joemartino.com, www.joemartino.com. And just click on the YouTube button. That'll come up on the very first page. And if you're on your phone, it'll take you directly to the app. If you're on your desktop or your laptop, it'll take you to a new window or tab for the YouTube page, which is my YouTube page. So I'm excited about that. I want to get the word out. Uh, Hopefully, if you're a visual 
learner. If you're a visual interactor, you will enjoy that. Uh, you're going to see a lot of streamlining of the information between the podcast and the YouTube page. So once again, go to joemartino.com and click on the YouTube page. All right, if you have any questions about that, obviously feel free to reach out to me. Uh, a lot of you do that through a bunch of different mediums, uh, whether it is Facebook or Twitter or email, all of those are fine. Let's talk about how we handled distress at the holidays. So last episode, we talked about what do we do if I don't like my family, if I don't like my husband's sister, I don't like my husband's brother, my spouse's father, whatever. You know, how do we, what, what's kind of the principles that we're going to organize our decisions around? This episode, I want to talk about what do you actually do once you're there? I talked about it in kind of broad terms last week. I want to give you some really specific strategies this episode on how to be a better listener when you're distressed or when you know someone is distressed for you. I think this is great advice, whether it's, you know, the holidays or whether it is uh, August 17th, the week before your kids go back to school. One of the great problems in our society is we don't do well tolerating someone being distressed at us. And you couple that truth with the fact that we're not very good listeners and we're set up for failure almost from word jump uh, in many conversations. And what happens is, is we, we tend to push those under the rug. We don't deal with them. We let, the, we let it slide. And then we back away. My daughter and I were talking this morning on our way to school as I was driving to school. And she said, we've lost the ability to have spirited debate. And I agree with her. And if you agree with her, then we have a serious question to ask. Why? Why do we not have the ability to have serious or spirited debates anymore. I think in part it's because we don't have the ability to disagree anymore, which then brings up that same question. Well, why? Why don't we have any, uh, you know, reason? Why don't we have the ability to disagree anymore? Part of it is, is we're just terrible listeners. The minute we get distressed, we want that pain uh, of distress. We want that anxiety to go away. And so we try to control the situation by responding before the person's even done talking. This is why we interrupt people. This is why we cut them off and tell them essentially why they're wrong for whatever it was they were going to say, even before they say it. I had this happen yesterday. I, was, I met someone new that I've not met before, and we were talking. And, and, and I'm not kidding you, probably five different times I got three to four words into my sentence and, and he interrupted me and told me why I was wrong and, and, and what, what he, why he was right. And like three of those times, I wasn't even trying to say what he thought I was trying to say. I actually agreed with him on the opposite argument, but, but he didn't listen. He was distressed. He was anxious. And so he just cut me off. Uh, and we do that a lot in our society. We just cut people off. I watched a video where a man uh, made a sign with a provocative, in 2018, a provocative statement and essentially said, okay, change my mind. And when people would come up, they would just start screaming at him, calling him invectives, just screaming terrible names at him because he disagreed with them. And he was traumatizing people because he had this belief and they weren't, even though they were calling names, one person said that they wished they could do physical harm to him. Uh, it was done on a college campus that, that some college administrator came up and actually said, you know, hey, do you have permission to be here? Because I'm afraid this might be triggering for our students. And he did have permission, I'm guessing, because he told her that he did. 
We, we've lost this ability to tolerate distress of knowing people disagree with us. So if you're going to be a good listener, if you're going to be a person who engages other people, one of the things that you have to be, here's a really practical tool for when you're visiting family this holiday season, but even like year round, be a really good listener. You have to commit to the idea of being a really good listener. And that means that the very first step is letting the other person finish their statement before you cut them off, before you tell them they're wrong, before you tell them you agree with them. Now, you can kind of make noises. You know, we, we have a very expressive language here in America, and there's certain ways to convey agreement and empathy without cutting the person off. And feel free to do that. But if you want to be a good listener, if you want to have better conversations, you have to let the person get all the way to the end. So here's like first tip. That, that, so that's the first tip, right? Let the other person get all the way to the end. And then here's like first tip 1.5. Come up with something in your body language that will be a cue to you to just not talk. For me, it's my hand on my chin. Uh, or I'll play with my goatee. Sometimes I'll scratch the back of my head. Although because of genetics, that can also mean that I'm frustrated. And so sometimes that doesn't help. But I'll cross my arms, usually my left arm to my right elbow. And I'll put my right hand uh, on my chin and my cheek. And that is a physical cue to me to just stop talking and just listen. I use this in the room as a counselor because there's times in the room that we're tempted to not be, counselors are tempted to not be good listeners. And so we have to do that. Uh, sometimes I'll just stroke my goatee. This time of year, I don't trim it very much. So there's more of it to grab and I can sit there and kind of run my fingers through it. And it gives me something to do so that I can still listen. And at the same time, I can divert my attention away from wanting to talk. One of the greatest myths that I hear perpetuated regularly is this idea that you listen to respond. You listen here. Here's like sub point one point 1.5. So this would be 1.75. You listen to listen. Go into your conversations this holiday season with the idea of listening to listen. Listen to listen. Don't listen to respond. Listen to listen. Listen to understand. When we listen to respond, and often what happens is we don't even listen to respond. We listen to put out the fire, right? So, so our loved one, our spouse, our relative, I don't care what it is. If it's the holidays, it can be our relative. It can be that in-law that you can't stand. But let's be honest. It happens at home, in your house, with your children, with your spouse in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. You'll, you'll hear them talking. You'll read their body language. And that creates a story in your head that often creates anxiety for you because you immediately think they're mad at you. You immediately think that they're telling you you're wrong, that they're expressing something you disagree with, and how dare they disagree with you. So you immediately take that story, you translate it out, and the interpretation becomes, I'm in danger of someone disagreeing with me. Your emotion becomes anger, and you shoot to shoot, you listen to shoot it down, to shoot the person down, to shut down the conversation. And your entire Christmas party, your entire holiday celebration, your entire evening, if it's January and you're home with your spouse, it all goes to a brown icky mess inside a paper bag. So the first step is to listen to them all the way to the end. Let them talk until there's silence, until there's literally a breath. And you might, they might even look at you like, hey, what's going on? What you might say to them, I, I just want to make sure that, that you are able to say what you want to say. 
And if they get mad, they get mad, right? You know, they may or may not express incredulousness at that. You might have to pick them up off the floor. They might just keep on going and tell you more. That's fine. Remember, you're listening to understand. So you might ask a clarifying question. You might ask 10 clarifying questions. You might say to them, so what you're saying is this, or you might say, so wait, could you tell me what that means? Could you unpack this? What does that look like to you? And you could ask them question after question after question if you'd like, because most people like to be talking and they like to be heard. So if you want to have smoother conversations, be a person who hears people. I'm not saying you have to agree with them. I'm saying you just have to hear them. In hearing them, you have the opportunity to potentially diffuse a little bit of the situation. So you want to listen to them all the way to the end. Then you want to ask yourself a question. Now remember, you got your physical key going right here. So for me, it might be my left hand into my right elbow and my right hand on my face. And then you've got to ask yourself a question. What is the story in my head about what they're saying? What's the difference between what I could testify to in court that they're saying versus what they're actually, I think they're saying? What's the story in my head about what they're saying? Uh, This weekend, uh, I was talking to my wife and I were talking to a friend of ours and I said, hey, how did this conversation go? And their face lit up because they were trying to figure out how I knew about that event. You could tell the story in their head was one of distress and concern. So those of you who are astute will notice that I just switched on you. I was talking about you asking yourself, what's the story in your head? And I shared an illustration with you about someone else who was hearing me. What's the story in their head? So there's really two questions you have to ask here. What's the story in my head? What is this creating in my head? Right? What, what does it mean? In other words, nothing has meaning without interpretation. I've talked about this a lot on this, this show. I'm going to continue to talk about it. I'm hoping to start a movement where people realize that most of the things that offend them are because of the story in their head. And if they held on to that story a little bit more loosely, life would be a lot better for them, right? So there's two people in a conversation, typically, might be three or four or five. What's the story in their head, right? I have friends, a couple of months ago, I put up a post about medical malpractice. All of my non-doctor friends were like, yep, yep, yep. All of my doctor friends were pretty defensive, in part because of the story in their head. Now, some of those doctor friends might listen to this and be like, no, 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 I was defensive because the article was bad. Maybe so. Teachers, you want to bring up something? The story in teachers' heads about what teachers have to do today is different than the story in the consumer's mind. It's the way it always is. If you've ever had a job where you're like, I could do that person's job better, and then you got that person's job and you didn't do it better, you see the disconnect between the story in your head and real life. Now, here's the rub. Sometimes the story in your head is real, and it is accurate, right? So my doctor friends might have looked at that article that I posted and been like, nope, this is a bad article. Here's why. The story in their head created a feeling of defensiveness because they felt like they were being unjustly maligned, right? Uh, I keep saying right, and I usually go through and delete it. I don't think I'm going to this time, so if that bothers you, I apologize. If you're not driving and you're not offended by this, it might be a really fun drinking game. Every time I say the word right, take a shot. I'm truly kidding. Don't do that. So you have to decide what's the story in my head, what's the story in the other person's head, and then you've got to clarify some things. First of all, you might need to clarify their point because you're listening to understand, not respond. And then you've got to clarify what's the social contract going on right now. In other words, the story in their head is they might just be talking to you and they don't really care to be truth-seeking. 
Now you could put your pearl before swines and you could, you could throw your pearls out there and just have a terrible time. Or you could just say, okay, shake your head and move on. And I want a full disclosure here. This is the hardest thing in the world for me to do. It's one of the hardest things for me to do to hear somebody talk about something and think, no, that's not right. And try to clarify the social contract that's currently in place in that conversation and realize they're not actually interested in hearing another point of view. They're not actually interested in truth seeking. They're not actually interested in having their idea vetted. They just want to spout off. And as a person who really enjoys debate and as a person who really wants to like solve things, right? If we talk about something and we disagree, solving it might just be the two of us both passionately expressing our views. It's very hard for me sometimes to clarify the social contract and realize this person doesn't want to talk about what they believe. They just want to tell me what they believe. So you have to decide the social contract that's currently in play. I want to, I want to talk to you about a situation. I've never really watched reality TV. Um, I guess if you consider, uh, what was that thing with Simon Cowell on Fox? Uh, where, where like, like uh, Kelly Clarkson won, Carrie Underwood won. Uh, not The Voice. What is it called? American Idol. I did watch that. So I guess I did watch a little bit of uh, reality TV. Uh, but there's a woman named Lauren Conrad who was the star of MTV's The Hills. In 2008, she appeared on, appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman. This is according to Annie Dukes in her excellent book, Thinking in Bets. And uh, basically, the interview started off fine, but in a, about a minute into it, the woman looked at Letterman and said, are you calling me an, an idiot? Oh, here's what happened. I'm going to just read from the book a little bit to you. Lauren tried without success to strengthen the relationship between her roommates, Adrian, Adriana and Lowe. This strange Lauren's friendship with Adriana, who reestablished her friendship with Heidi, Brony Jenner, I don't even know who that is, was also in the mix, dating Lauren, questioning her date with a Teen Vogue model, dating someone else himself, arguing with Spencer about his friendship with Lauren, getting accused of starting the rumors about Lauren's uh, tape, etc. All of that drama happening in Conrad's life is what David Letterman to David Letterman was referring to when he interjected, quote, that raises the question, maybe you're the problem, don't you think? End quote. That quip sent an interview that was supposed to be a puffy promotional chat into an uncomfortable tailspin. Letterman immediately realized that he had taken the conversation uh, into much deeper, more serious territory than either of them could have anticipated. And then he actually shares a story from his own life about how he used to think that everybody was an idiot, and he realized, well, wait, maybe I'm the idiot. What are the chances that everyone's an idiot? The reality is, Letterman's... Uh, and, and Dukes talks about this in her book, Letterman's insight was very insightful. His quip was very insightful. If everybody in your life is an idiot and you're the only common denominator, there's probably something that you're putting into the relationships that needs to change. But here's the thing. Letterman and that woman, I can't remember her name and I just closed the book, they didn't have a social contract in place where she was actually interested in Letterman's ideas about how she interacted in life. They weren't under the social contract of let's seek truth together. There are people in your life that they don't actually want an opinion. They don't want your opinion. They just want somebody to sign off on them. They want somebody to sign off on what they do or worse, they want somebody to be responsible for their decisions. So they do want your opinion. They just want your opinion to match what they already wanted to do. And then if it goes south, they can just say, well, I just did what you told me to do. 
You have to develop wisdom in defining that. So when you go this holiday season to Uncle Bob's and Uncle Bob doesn't, you know, start spouting off about how much he hates Trump or how much he loves Trump, you might realize, you know what, Uncle Bob is actually isn't interested in any uh, information that might contradict his position on why Trump is the greatest or why Trump is the worst. I have a friend on Facebook who I know in real life, uh, who has a beautiful wife. I mean, I'm talking like model beautiful. He has a beautiful daughter. Again, model beautiful. She's a little baby. I mean, she's probably not even two yet. They could put her on the Gerber bottles or whatever. I have to snooze him on Facebook because nine out of ten of his posts are about politics and they're full of vitriol and hate for the people he disagrees with. And he dresses it up nice, but it's just hogwash. Right, because the social contract is he doesn't actually want anybody to give him a disagreement. He just wants people to agree with him, which is part of the problem. We all want our echo chambers. We all want people who agree with us to talk to us about why they agree with us. If you don't like your daughter's coach, you're not going to go listen to somebody who does. You want to go find somebody who doesn't most of the time. To be a good listener, you have to kind of figure out what's going on there. So let's say you're the person who, who does like the coach and somebody who doesn't like the coach just came to you. you. You got to listen to listen, listen to understand. What's the story in your head? What's the story in the head of the person who's talking? Clarify as much as you can and then decide on the social contract. Ask yourself, do they are they sending off vibes? Does their body language indicate? Does their words indicate that they really want my opinion Or are they just looking for somebody to agree with them, somebody to move forward with them? If it's the latter, just get out (laughs) or respond accordingly. Maybe if you've been reading my book, uh, you could mirror. And you honestly, mirroring is one of the best ways to get out of uh, of a uh, social contract where you have one intention or the, the other person has an intention that you can't meet. Because you can just mirror with them and move on. You don't have to present every disagreement that you're presented with. Now, sometimes we have to present, we do have to present that disagreement. And I think there are some people who would benefit in their relationships if they presented disagreements more. But you have to understand the context and the place. Here's why you do that. It helps you be a better communicator. See, one of the problems is we tend to think that we have to have the argument because that's being, that makes us a better listener, I don't know. Or if we don't have the argument, they're going to walk away still holding on to their view and they're going to you know, propagate that view all around. The problem is they're probably still going to walk away. If they walk into the, the interaction with the social contract idea that they're not actually there to hear what you have to say, they're still probably going to walk away and not hear you. They're not going to change their mind. You're literally just taking your face and smashing it into a wall. And grammar Nazis, that did get changed two years ago. You can say literally even when it isn't literal. If you don't believe me, look it up in the dictionary. Uh you're, you're, you're taking your face and you're hitting it against the proverbial wall again and again and again to no effect. So if you want to be a good listener, you have to listen all the way to the end. You listen to understand. You examine, at the very least, you examine the story in your head. What's the story that it's creating in your head and how accurate is that? How much of that story could you testify to in court and how much of it would you have to admit is just conjecture? Then you clarify again and again and again. You can't over-clarify. 
Then you have to decide the social contract that the other person is entering into the conversation with, and then you react accordingly. Now, the question becomes, what do you do with, uh, like, let's say that's your spouse we're talking about. It's not a holiday event. What do you do with your spouse? Well, maybe the social contract they're walking into in that moment is they're just angry and they just want to explode. That's fine. Just be like, hey, look, these are the ground rules that hopefully, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, we've agreed on ahead of time. So you can't call me names. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can do this. You can do that. And then maybe we can talk about this later when, when things are a little bit calmer. Or right now, we're not getting anywhere. And so maybe we can talk about it later. In other words, you write an amended social contract, if you'll allow me the metaphor. This is really important because it helps you be the better listener. Any interaction you have with anybody else, you only control one person in that interaction, and that one person is you. So if you say something and the person just keeps skipping over it, acting like you didn't say it, at some point you're just going to have to accept that the social contract they're under is they don't feel they have to respect everything you say. And then you have to decide how you respond and respond accordingly. All right, so those are the steps to practically being able to deal with distress in a relationship, right? This all stems from, though, an inner ability in yourself to tolerate the distress. That's probably another whole episode. But one of the things that happens is when we talked about this earlier, we want to put that fire out. We tend to do things that uh, actually increase the fire. They don't put it out. One of the things that we talk about a lot in therapy is when it comes to a lot of things that run inside our mind, we actually start with the physical expressions of them first and work our way backwards. So by focusing on these four steps, what you're actually doing is you're creating in your body an ability to tolerate the distress of knowing someone's upset with you. Sometimes you might just say, I understand you're upset with me and there's nothing I can do about it. In fact, I'd argue that probably about half the time that's the case. For most people, it just it just is. It, it's not something that you control. Them being upset with you is on them. And the thing of it is, is in their head, they might be like, okay, I get it. And I'm not upset anymore. But physically, those chemicals need time to burn out. And you need to be okay with that. You need to be able to back away from the conversation. That's deciding the social contract and then acting appropriately. But remember, if we do the physical thing, so we listen, that's a physical thing. We examine the story in our head. That's a physical thing that we have to do. Thinking is physical, right? We clarify. We do that with our mouth. That's an action. And then we decide on the social contract and act accordingly. We're creating buffers to deal with knowing that someone else is distressed with us and how we move forward. Try that out the next time you're in a conversation with someone where you know they're stressed with you or you walk in and there's distress. Maybe you're stressed with them too. And, and you're like, okay, what do we do? Try to be a better listener. Rather than be trying to be a better talker, just try to be a better listener. Typically what people do is they try to over-talk or under-engage. We want to be in the middle there, right? We want to solve the problem and protect the relationship. All right, we're going to switch our focus here one more time for about a minute or two and just talk about 2019. What's on the horizon for 2019? First of all, as many of you may know, I think I've mentioned this before, we, are, we have opened an office in Greenville, uh, we've done a soft opening at this point in 2019. We're going to kind of have the official, hey, we're open for business uh, time. The spring is conference season, right? So what we're working on right now is a weekend marriage retreat. 
This is going to be something that we've never done before. Every time we've done a marriage conference, people have asked us to do one of these. And so we're going to do it where we go away five, six, maybe seven couples with my wife and I. You're going to get uh, advanced training in how to be better communicators, how to build emotional security. We're hoping to go to one of my favorite places on earth. I don't want to say the place yet. Uh, we have to wait because simply the way it works, it's, it's a, it is a remote location that is easily accessible half the year, but they don't actually book any retreats or anything until January of the year that they're in. And so we have to wait until January to make that booking. Uh, but that's the direction we're going. We are also setting up a one day conference here in Grand Rapids for an emotionally secure couple marriage conference. We used to call this the Hopes and Dreams Marriage Conference with the book. We've now changed the name to the Emotionally Secure Couple uh, Marriage Conference, Relationship Conference. And uh, that's going to be in February or March. We do have some other locations. If you're listening and you would like for us to book a conference through your organization, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, We are doing some trainings on how to raise emotionally secure children. Uh, We're going to start some parenting conferences. We're also talking to schools. The next week, my wife and I are going to talk to a school on how do you handle technology with your children. If you'd like to have any of those things discussed with your organization, we'd love to do it. Uh, Come talk about grief. Last night, my wife went and taught a class at a local college on grief. Those are the types of things that we want to offer. As we move into 2019, we want to expand that portion of our business. Uh, I did originally say that I thought I was going to have another book out in fall of 2019. That looks like it's going to be spring of 2020 at the earliest. Uh, So that's looking ahead to 2019. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. It is a little bit longer than normal, but I think the information there warrants that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.